Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond Trauma podcast. We are excited to be back to recording today. We took a little break for the holidays and just excited to get back in contact with all of you guys and sharing some of the exciting things we have in plan for these next months to come. Before we get started, I wanted to share with you about our Patreon. You may have heard us talk about this before, but this is a platform that we have set up for any of you who are listeners that want additional content. Um, You can help support our podcast by joining the Patreon and receiving resources that could come in the form of videos, recordings, um, all different types of resources out there, more episodes, bonus episodes. Uh, We've got some really good guided meditation resources available. So if these are things you're interested in and you want more information, we would love for you to check out the Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash beyond trauma podcast. And we hope to get connected with you there. Yeah. So today's episode is going to kind of be an intro into season two of Beyond Trauma. And to set that up a little bit, we wanted to kind of talk about what Beyond Trauma was intended to be in the beginning uh, before we started recording season one. And then as season one kind of developed, what we kind of learned would be the base of season two. Um, So I wanted the three of us to kind of reflect on what it was like for us to imagine doing another podcast um, back when we imagined Beyond Trauma um, and what that was kind of like to have, you know, the background in podcasting for therapists and to think about doing it for clients, why, why that need was there and why we thought that we could kind of put some intention to doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and we also wanted to mention, in case you guys have noticed a slight uh, difference oh, yes. in <laughs> audio quality, we are currently under quarantine. So we're all individually in our homes recording us through Zoom. So if there is background noise of domestic life, that is because that is where we are. <laughs> domestic mammals. Whether Dude, yes. <laughs> Children, <or> people. <laughs> puppies, the mailman that gets friendly sometimes, you the know, mower. yeah, mm-hmm. the mower, there, there might be noise. So we apologize for that. And uh, we're all doing the best we can can in the pandemic. Um, But yeah, I think just reflecting on why we decided that we wanted to do this, one of the number one reasons was um, that as we're talking to therapists, there was a lot of interest in, you know, when are you going to do something for clients? Because I would really like to have things to give my clients. The other thing is that our own clients were listening listening to the podcast that we were creating for therapists. It's like, well, that's going to be really overwhelming to you. Um, And so just out of, you know, need basically and expressed interest from people that we were interacting with it was really obvious that there was a um, a spot to really talk about what we talk about with therapists but for clients to understand their own therapeutic journey and what does it really mean to go through um, a healing journey specifically from trauma and all of the ups and downs and ins and outs of what is included in that for most people um, as well as the therapeutic side of things of why does your therapist do what they do and and uh, you know what are the clinical decisions that are going to get made all along the way, and how do you as a client make those decisions? Things like you know how to find a good therapist and what does that even mean? And so, mm. I think our desire was to really 
walk somebody through the process from beginning to end and yeah. just kind of narrate what that experience was likely to be. Yeah. And we wanted to make it as generic as possible. I remember yes. not, uh, I remember planning some of those episodes of thinking, well, this is what I would do, or this is what you would do, but what do we just kind of want people to know about just in general, because right. not everybody gets to come see the three of us. So right. making it specific to our way of doing it kind of seemed um, like we were jumping the gun a little bit or mm -hmm. kind of making it less applicable for people all across uh, the listening base. Right. Um, Jen, what's it like for you to kind of think about Beyond Trauma season one <laughs> like that? As I reflect on just the plan to do it, it was almost like there was never a way to not do it. Like it yeah. only makes sense have this because our our deepest mission and vision as an organization is to reach people in their healing journey. And so up until Beyond Trauma, we've reached them through individual sessions and then through mentoring and developing other therapists. But this is a really direct way where we can try to reach many people who are outside of our community, outside of Springfield, Missouri, <laughs> and share with them a lot of the personal experiences that we have and healing from our own trauma, the experiences we have as therapists, um, and then just the education around what does it mean to heal and what is happening for us in our brain, our nervous system, yeah. all of these things when it comes to experiencing trauma and healing from that. And so, yeah, season one was a lot of just opening the door as wide as we could to reach as many people as possible to pique their interest of what does trauma even mean? Like, what does that look like? And what is therapy? What does that even mean? And try to make it as widespread and as broad as possible that people are interested. And then wanting to add in our own specific flavor to what does healing look like from our perspective and from the research and our experiences of this is kind of the way to find that healing in maybe the most efficient manner or effective manner, this is what that could look like. Yeah, and I think as we as we turn towards season two, um, we didn't really know which direction to go, but we knew what we wanted out of it. We wanted people to be able to continue in their in their understanding of healing, in their understanding of therapy, um, but not really knowing how to meet that need. And so, what we thought to do would be to essentially describe our approach um, yeah. to therapy and what we consider to be kind of the key factors um, in understanding human beings and understanding healing and understanding trauma and in understanding the therapeutic relationship um, from our side of things and, and what we've experienced in, in therapy with our clients. Mm -hmm. um, so season two is set for uh, kind of a, a deep dive into what trauma does to the body, what the body does just in a normal situation um, and how our life experiences kind of shape us over time to get us into the state of being that we are in now, whether that be, you know, in dysfunction or not. Um, the areas of our life that we are finding dissatisfaction with are the result of a long line of things. Um, they didn't kind of just spring up out of nowhere. So that's kind of what we're looking at for season two. Um, I didn't know where that kind of led either of you yeah, I think if, if any of you that are listening now want a more broad look at what is therapy, what is trauma, the, the general understanding of pieces, or you know someone who is kind of at that stage and phase in their healing process, check out season one and, and see it all from a bird's eye view where we lay out different models and different approaches. 
And then when you feel ready to look at what's the deeper dive of let's start looking in a more close up perspective, that's what season two and the seasons to come will do is really diving in to the, the nitty gritty details of some of these pieces. Yeah, so I think that uh, kind of the next step for this episode, which I think we're all kind of excited about is to ask that question of how do we do trauma therapy Ooh. at Beyond Healing Center? <laughs> Our favorite question ever. Yes. Um, and we, uh, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about this, talking about it, writing about it, it's literally what we kind of invest our life in, um, is really fine tuning the process mm -hmm. and understanding what is good trauma therapy. Um, and really from the perspective of good therapy is reliant on the ability to conceptualize what's going on. And, and what that word means for therapists is to conceptualize is to understand why is uh, what is currently happening in this person's life happening? Mm -hmm. What are the things uh, going on behind the scenes um, that are contributing to that? And pulling together all of those different factors to be able to tell a story that makes sense, yes. um, both to me as the therapist, but also to the client. And when we have that story that really begins to make sense of what we're seeing, being able to make decisions about what do we do about this gets yeah. a whole lot easier. That's right. And uh, so I think from the client perspective, one of the fundamental differences and what they experience with a Beyond Healing Center therapist versus um, a, you know, somebody else. Now, we're not the only ones that do it this way by any means, um, but it's just kind of a distinguishing factor that is one of our core values here has to do with we always start with a thorough conceptualization. So really practically what that means is the first several sessions, we're not going to be giving somebody homework. We're not going to be giving them worksheets to do at home. We're not going to be telling them change these behaviors and then your symptoms are going to change. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, you giggle, but like that, that happens. Um, and instead we really create space to investigate and be curious together about what's going on like why yeah. why are you experiencing what you're experiencing why do you feel the way you feel why do you think the way you think why is your body responding yeah. the way it's responding why, why are, are you what's it feel like for you to show up with me here yeah yeah, yeah. like literally in this moment with me as the therapist in this room yeah. um how's your body responding how are you showing up in relationships all of those factors we begin to you know tell those stories and investigate those stories together so that we can really thoroughly conceptualize what's going on and from yeah. that foundation we move into and therefore what do we do about it i think the best metaphor that i use for myself and my clients with this is not getting distracted by the weed that's showing up or the the full garden of weeds that is there but take the time to really study like what type of weed is this and what are the deepest Beautiful. roots of yes. this how do you begin to treat that from the root level. Yes. A lot of times when you're the one experiencing these symptoms, which are the weeds, it is so hard to not to be lost in those and to be yeah. so distracted by how it shows up every single day, or you're the loved one who's, you know, trying to support someone who's struggling yeah. to get lost in just what does the weed look like, but to have a professional come in and say, let's pause and really study this and see, we're not just going to try to cut it back, but really look at what are the roots and how do we begin to treat it there so that it doesn't return, you know, down the road. Yeah. 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 I, I feel kind of compelled to sort of 
take that analogy and put it into a real life example yes. just to kind of help That's people exactly imagine, where I was going. Yeah. Um, you know, what does this look like? So a really easy example is, you know, maybe a couple comes in for therapy and one of the partners is struggling with drinking. Okay. And that behavior is causing all kinds of problems in the home. You know, money's getting spent that we don't have to spend. Um, you're missing work and that's threatening a job. I don't like how you're showing up with our kids because of your drinking, right? So there's all of these really important issues that are very impactful um, in the day-to-day -day living. And we could spend a lot of time trying to stop those behaviors. That's right. And we could say, okay, well, the answer to this collection of issues is that you need to stop drinking. <laughs> and Whoa, thank you, therapist. Yeah, like that, that looks really uh, appealing, right? Like, well, right. clearly, especially if you're the partner to the person that is struggling with alcohol is, yeah, if you know, you were great until you stopped drink or started drinking. <laughs> and so it's really easy to kind of get fixated on that particular weed. Mm -hmm. And if we could just kill this weed, then all of the other issues right. would go away. But invariably, what we see is like, sure, okay, kill that weed. But then we see this thing happen where instead of it coming out as this behavior, it starts coming out as this other behavior over here. Yeah. Or I'm able to do it for a little while. Maybe I stay sober for three months, but then I start sneaking and now I'm starting to drink again behind the scenes. And then slowly the same problems start to come up again. And so now we're back in therapy and going, well, it didn't work. Well, yeah, it didn't, it didn't work because that wasn't actually the issue. And I think even in, in that example, oftentimes it's once the drinking is stopped, that's when actually the problems show up. And so yes. it's like we, we fixed the problem, but now here all, here's all these problems. Now we're fighting. Now there's conflict, right. now there's anxiety, now there's yeah. panic attacks, but we stopped the problem. And so again, we're just lost in another set of weeds of saying yes. like, how do now do we just manage anxiety and say, okay, well, you know, start doing this to not feel anxious anymore. Yes. And what we're describing is what we lovingly refer to as whack-a-mole therapy. Mm -hmm. Whatever current mole is popping up, we're going to bop it on the head until it goes away. And then we'll just deal with the next one when it comes. Yes. And, you know, I think that for, for the three of us and for a lot of therapists, you do that long enough and you sort of get frustrated with this process mm -hmm. because we want clients to have a much more, uh, yeah, robust healing experience that does not require this constant attendance to weed pulling yeah, that's right. or, you know, dealing with the current mole or whatever analogy we want to use. And so there was a, a desire to find something that would produce more deep down root level yeah. change. And to give an understanding of why those moles came in the first place or why those weeds popped up in the first place. And, um, and to uh, continue to apply that, you know, shame and fear are the root of so many of our, um, of our neuroses or our psychoses or whatever. Um, and what does therapy do uh, to address shame and fear and some of those other really fundamental core human experiences that themselves generate so many different coping strategies or dysfunctional patterns to try to buffer from. Um, if you look back, those types of things start at the very beginning of our life. Yes. We come into the world learning who we are and who others are and shame and fear are the two things that come in and start to mess with that. They start to distort the image of self or the image of other. And that is when we start to develop or search for strategies to deal with it, yes. to, to figure out how to cope. Um, and this can look like any number of symptoms. This can look like any number of external behaviors. 
Um, but basically we're trying to deal with how we are showing up in the world and how we're being responded to and how we move forward with that. Yeah. As we talk about like whack-a-mole therapy and how exhausting that is, I just really empathize with all of you listening as the individual going yes. through that, like what it's like to, for yourself, feel this technique to manage a symptom and then have another one show up and to constantly be chasing the new thought to change or the new mm-hmm. behavior to regulate and just the exhaustion that comes with that and the shame, as Bridger's yeah. mentioned, yes. the shame around, why am I feeling? How, why can't this work for me? It sounds so hopeful and so simple. Am I not doing it right? And the fear of, will I ever be able to get better? Do I just have to live with this forever? And yeah. I think those pieces of therapy having these beautiful intentions of helping but there can be these underlying pieces of shame and fear that are you know kind of weaved in there unintentionally that come with some of the whack-a-mole approaches Mm -hmm. and that almost makes that process contribute more to the sense of distribution can you give an example of that like what you mean just for the listener to have a really concrete understanding of what you mean when you say some types of therapy tend to use the same problems to try to change the behavior that came from those problems in the first place. Yeah. I'll, I'll use a really personal example of my daughter. Um, mm. So she is 15 and has struggled with some pretty severe OCD and we adopted her when she was 11. And so it was something that it was kind of that whack-a-mole process of it would show up in this one form and that would get regulated and it would show up in this other form. And the most recent battle has been just severe OCD behaviors. And in multiple experiences of therapy being taught, okay, so this is how, you know, as parents and herself, you you change, you stop that thought, you change that thought, you control that behavior. Um, we don't engage in, in reassurance with her and all of these like mm. boxes to check really manifested in that was her outlet to get regulation and it became even more anxious and showing yeah. in different places and different ways. And so the process of showing up to a therapy session and the checking in, which was well-intentioned of how did this week go? you know, how many exposure therapies were you, or exposure, exposure experiences were you successful at and oh how gosh. many were not successful and how did controlling this or how many times did you check versus what our goals were to reduce that. And yeah, it set up a structure of success or fail. Shame and, and fear. Yes. And, and then when the failure came, here came the shame and the fear of, will I ever get better? Is this what my whole life holds? And the perspective of it being from, we're going to always manage in this way. We've got to get a hold of OCD and really control OCD. Because you're going to live with it for the rest of your life. That's yes. the belief. And then this like exhaustion, hopelessness of what if I, what if I can't do this? So what if I just give up? Screw it. I'm just going to give in to all of these urges that I have because it feels better than trying to manage them. Mm-hmm. And so even just in seeing what that was like for her and for us as a family and going through that and really recognizing this is contributing to the problem. This experience of I'm disappointing my parents because I'm not succeeding in therapy or, you know, disappointing my therapist. So we have, Mm. you know, of course, since then worked with a different therapist and having an approach that reaches more at the core roots. And it's not magical, like poof, it's all gone. 
but the, you know, the progress and the change that can happen when we're really saying, what is the core contributing issues to this? Let's not get distracted by how it's showing up. Let's really focus in on where does the problem begin? Mm, yeah. I feel like, you know, that is um, kind of a good lead in to talking about the main pieces that we really see as fundamental pieces of being able to make sense of what is the root issue. Yes. Um, because as humans, we are incredibly complex. Mm. Um, and having ways of making sense of what we're seeing and what we're experiencing is really essential because the the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that come from culture and from um, other relationships are rarely very helpful um, and having you know science-based research-based ways of uh, conceptualizing and making sense of these things I think has been tremendous uh, for mm. all of us and then for our clients uh, to really feel supported in that therapy journey and how to make these decisions and so there there's really three major pillars that we draw from um, when it's time for us to make sense of what's going on and really look at the root issues. So I kind of want us to talk about, you know, what are those three and why do we feel like those are the ones that matter the most to us? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if if I can go ahead and start. Well, yeah, <laughs> with, are, go ahead. Okay, all right, cool, okay. <laughs> um, so in, and to use OCD, I think is a great like case example because it is so involved in all of the, um, in, in each of the spheres that we conceptualize through. So um, to kind of give you your, for those visual learners out there, you'll appreciate it. It is a, a Venn diagram that the oversection of each three, three circles is where we get our uh, understanding of what's going on. Yeah. So uh, gonna kind of go through them one at a time. So the first one is um, what happens in relationships. Um, and this is all the way down from the, the very first experience that you had with your, with your primary attachment figures, usually your parents um, or whoever took care of you and raised you to the point where you are uh, able to leave that group and go, go on to the next thing. So that establishes so many of our uh, ways of understanding ourself, of who we are, where our identity comes from. Those relationships are so fundamental to uh, our, our development of the systems we use to understand information, um, understanding it from what does this say about me? What does this say about other people? And how do I use this information to make better, uh, better, better decisions or make better predictions of the future? Um, that's what we are. One of the researchers in this sphere, uh, Dan Siegel, talks about our brains as prediction making machines. We have to move forward in a way that we can at least comfortably to us predict the future, which is ridiculous, but it is what we try to do each second because if we can predict the future, we can be better prepared to, to handle it. Um, and you can very quickly see how trauma is going to come into this and, and sort of start messing, mixing wires up and messing with things. Uh, trauma is one of the most overwhelming experiences that we can go through and that makes predicting the future look very grim. If we think trauma is going to happen in the future, you know, we're going to start reacting to things that aren't really there. Mm -hmm. And having to use strategies to try to stay safe and avoid that. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the other one of the other main pillars that we use is really understanding and remembering um, that we are mammals first before we're anything else, right? We are an organism. We are a mammal. Our mammalian brain is huge and very mm -hmm. important. And culturally, we tend to get pretty focused and fixated on our prefrontal cortex, our logical brain. Rational. Um, yeah, <laughs> our rational self, which is super important. It's what sets us apart from the chickens in my backyard. I'm really <laughs> glad we have it. Um, but a lot of the emotional relational issues that we struggle with we have to look behind our rational brain at what else is going on with the human being as an organism mm -hmm. and the the theory that we lean on for that is polyvagal theory um, and other neurobiological theory that talks about what actually happens in the human mammal body in response to trauma and threat. Mm -hmm. The different states and experiences that we have uh, physically, not yeah. just emotionally, mentally, but really viscerally, like it's happening in our cells, in our neurochemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know what most people are familiar with that begins to describe this is the fight, flight, freeze response, right? Yeah. And when we're in an overwhelming situation, we feel our body go into a totally different state. And we are either able to do things that we wouldn't normally do, or we are unable to do things that normally we could do. Yeah. Um, and when we understand that our nervous system is constantly trying to adjust and deal with all the threats yeah. that we perceive in our environment, and those different states show up in therapy. Yes. And we experience the, the shifting of our nervous system in response to what's going on in therapy. And we have to know uh, how to interpret that and how to deal with that mm. um, if we're going to hope to work on trauma and heal it in a really direct way. Yeah. And that's what I want. I want us to make sure we, we start kind of building for the listeners the, the what happens when each piece gets added together. Mm -hmm. So if you take what Melissa just said and you combine it with what I said about how important relationships are, this starts mm -hmm. to paint the big picture that your whole system is on board with the way that you're showing up. Um, right. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it because of the relational experiences that you've had and the traumatic experiences that you've had, uh, which is anything overwhelming, really. From that, uh, from that perspective, your body starts to be shaped in such a way that you are on you are activated by the the things in your environment and your whole body responds to that it's right. not well my rational brain thought this and then i was able to kind of just shut my nervous system off like that doesn't that doesn't work we we get this mm -hmm. this this uh saying in our minds that well my head knows like i i know it in my head but then i feel differently about it right i feel uh like that's not true even though i know it is yeah well, and I think there's things that clients talk about that, you know, when we add in this piece of remembering that we're a mammal mm. and remembering that we have a nervous system that is constantly animating us, then there's other symptoms that therapists maybe traditionally don't even think about looking at that get really relevant. For instance, IBS, chronic migraines, constant inflammation in your body, chronic yep. pain, high fibromyalgia, yeah, high blood pressure, all these kinds of things. Suddenly, when we understand what it means to be a mammal and how interconnected all of this is, 
wow, this gets super relevant. You're if somebody comes in. You're telling me that's related in, to mental health? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out. And we have so much science at this point to back us up on that. Yeah. Um, but it also gets really inspiring to think, wait a second, if Beautiful. I begin to heal from my trauma, are you telling me that I would not have to have a migraine three times a week? And that's mm. my personal story. Yeah, that's real exciting. Yeah. And, and to know that uh, healing in one domain of my life deeply impacts another domain. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my major health concerns have been untouched by traditional medicine and have all been resolved by addressing past trauma, all of them. And that to me was just sort of one of the biggest doors into realizing we have got to factor in what it means to have a mammal body along for the ride. Right. Um, and really understanding that to get holistic healing means that our body has to be a part of the therapeutic journey and that it also has a tremendous amount of information about what's going on for us emotionally in regards to our mental health. And so that's a big part of why we lean on that, uh, that theory of polyvagal theory and what it means to be a mammal. Yeah. And I think the third piece of that diagram being, you know, in short form, we'll, we'll dive in much deeper, but everything that we experience in the present, in the now has its roots in the past. Yeah. So, so important. The, the connection of all of those past experiences, good and bad in life have been stored in our mind and in our memory with some really key components that have an impact on the, the way we see the, the perspective we have, the way we see things, the way we feel, the way our body responds. So body sensations that we hold, tension that we hold, all has its roots back in earlier life experiences that weren't processed fully, that we didn't work through or weren't able to work through in a well-adjusted, adaptive way. Therefore, they still show up as problematic today. Yeah. And that piece, I think, can be Um, can make a lot of sense, but can also be mind blowing in ways of, so you're telling me, you know, this, this anxiety I have about something happening today actually somehow connects back to something years and years ago and that it really can. And it does. And so acknowledging the roots and where they go back to that metaphor again, and bringing all of these models together to say that is where healing happens. Yes. 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 And that is such a, you know, so adding that, into the Venn diagram. Let's look at the whole thing now as a whole. So when we have this idea that our attachments and our relationships throughout our life are what give us the understanding of self and other, uh, how we see ourselves, what is our identity and what do we understand about other people and what's possible in relationship with other people, then we start looking at the fact that, hey, guess what? You have a nervous system and that is conditionable over time. Uh, you start to look at the activation paths that are that are then kind of they become our go-to, you know, our impulse goes to uh, that flight, fight, or freeze, or some uh, variation of, of those states. And then you start saying everything that is happening in the present has roots to the past. Mm-hmm. Every single thing that you're experiencing, every person that you're interacting with, you're using the past to try to understand it. Yes. And you're trying to make predictions off of the past to help you be prepared in the relationship that you're in or in the circumstance that you're in. And that's where, to me, the whole machine now starts going forward. Yes. Like the whole wheel yes. starts spinning because now mm-hmm. you can understand no matter how uh, complex or, or difficult to understand your presentation or your feelings are, they have roots. And this is something we say at Beyond Healing Center, there's breadcrumbs everywhere. 
your nervous mm -hmm. system has littered the trail with breadcrumbs to show us where to go in therapy. So if you're working with a clinician that has this level of understanding and this level of intentionality in understanding your presentation and your case conceptualization, they will help you uh, find the breadcrumbs and go back mm -hmm. to the origin stories of your symptoms. That to me is the, whole, is the hope of, of the way that we do therapy. But I, I just want to highlight in this, the lack of shame, yes. like the de-shaming of this to say, Normalizing. this is my system's way. It isn't about my choice. In this it's system. not about willpower. Yes. Yeah. It's not choice. It's not willpower. It's survival mm -hmm. and it's natural instinct. And so these are things and symptoms that are come are product of something that my body, my system, my brain was trying to do its very best yeah. as put at the time. But then also the hope that comes with that, that says we don't also just have to accept that and settle in life in that way. But there's some very strategic ways to go back in and reconnect in those wounds to find healing and alleviate the problems that are showing up today. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, that feels like a nice way to wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> There's always hope. Yes. Well, and we, you know, we just want to say we are going to spend almost the entirety of season two talking in more detail about each of these elements. And I think, you know, we'll likely have some episodes where we give pretty thorough demonstrations of what this looks like yeah. uh, to take the story of an individual and walk through this conceptualization process and make sense of things that uh, on the surface might seem very confusing. But when we put it into this process and look at it through this lens, things become very, very clear and the the yeah. healing process and the steps to move forward begin to reveal themselves uh, really spontaneously. And so we'll kind of walk through that whole process and show exactly what that looks like. And I'm looking forward to that. I That'll be a that. whole lot of fun. I can't wait. <laughs> um, and we, you know, we talked at the beginning about uh, our Patreon and one of the things that we'll do for you guys that are on our Patreon or if you want to join is that we'll actually put the uh, the image that we use, the Venn diagram um, on there so you can uh, look at that and have that visual in your mind uh, during this season and reflect on it with some descriptions of what each one, um, each of those circles represents because for those of you that are visual learners, that's really helpful to be able to look at. Um, yes. So we'll put that on our Patreon. So go have a, have a look at that as well. We also wanted to let you guys know um, that one of the things on our website that we have available is our mental health first aid kit. And as much as we were all hoping that 2021 would bring immediate relief, turns out that didn't happen. So <laughs> if you're struggling like the whole world is at the moment, or at least our egocentric American world, um, <laughs> please know that there's, you know, things that can support you in the mental health first aid kit is just one of those. It's a, a beautiful program that we put together for you. All three of us are on there. There's guided meditations, there's uh, journal prompts, there's psychoeducation about how to take care of yourself well. Um, so we want to encourage you guys to have a look at that. It's on our website at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you go to the courses tab and scroll down, you'll see the box that says mental health first aid kit and you can click on it there to purchase it. Um, so we just wanted to offer that to you guys as a support during these extraordinarily challenging times. So thank you guys so much for joining us for season two and safe journeys, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. 
we encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.